Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. I'm going to invite my wife up here, and we're going to get rocking and rolling on the third part of this series. Yes. And uh, that uh, we're, we called uh, Beloved, and it's a play on the word uh, beloved, which in my opinion is a word that's not nearly utilized the way it should be utilized in our culture. And so it's such a, a beautiful, awesome word that you're my beloved. And we don't use it enough, but it is... That is the, the foundation of our relationship with God, that God loved us first. We keep coming back to that, that truth and that we are, are wired for love. We desire love. Most of the stuff we do in life in some form or fashion um, is trying to harvest some sort of love and acceptance and whatnot out of people. And we're wired to simply just receive God's love and out of that be able to function. And so if you've got your... Uh, your Bible app, your, that version app open. If you've got uh, your bulletin, we're going to rock and roll and we'll keep jumping off with this idea that, um, that when you know how to actually be loved, then you can learn how to actually live. Everything flows out of simply being loved by God first. That's the foundation. And we tend to get things all wrapped up and we try to figure out how to how to get God's attention, and that's religion. Hey, hey, God, I'm trying to be nice over here. Please like me. And when he's like, you know what? I've demonstrated my love for you. That I sent Jesus. That is what this is 100% about. And so, but we have a hard time of just being loved. We want to be loved, but we don't know how to be loved. And so that's the whole purpose of this series. And we've looked at a couple of scriptures every week. And the first one is Song of Solomon. And in Song of Solomon, you have this discourse between these two people who love one another and they're getting ready to, to come together in marriage and they're they're have all of these these sweet things to say one another and some of them are pretty steamy and and, and they're they, they're really excited about uh, the wedding night and, and coming together and um, and so as they're moving forward here is the foundation and this this phrase shows up multiple times in Song of Solomon that I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. That first and foremost, just understand that you are fully desired and fully wanted, and I, I am my beloved's. I'm allowing myself to simply be loved, and my beloved is mine. There is this place where I'm able to receive that as well. And 1 John 4, 16 says that, so we know and rely on the love God has for us. That is the basis of our entire relationship with God, is knowing and relying on the love God has for us. God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. This is the way everything functions, and God's desire for us is to fully be loved. And that love shows up in a lot of different ways. My original kind of working title for this when I was laying out this series um, was Tough Love. But so many times, I think in our culture, we have a bad rap on the idea of what tough love is. And tough love is drawing a hard line and, 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 and being tough. And really what this is, is this, I changed the title to transforming love because that is what God's love does for us. God's love transforms us. It begins to take out all of the stuff 
that experience and hurt and frustration and life begins to put into us. And a lot of times we can begin to connect with those and build our identity around those things. And God's love begins to let us be who we were really meant to be. And so that God's love will, will actually bring correction. Being corrected is part of being truly loved. Even though none of us, I'm just going to lump us all into one thing, one group. None of us really, really care for it. Correction. Correction. Correct. Are you correcting me? Yes. Stop. <laughs> That's how it goes in our home. Yeah, because I'm really good with this one. So um, over the last few weeks, we've told quite a few uh, stories about us going on a cruise, which I have now realized that maybe we like that because I have another one for you. Um, a few years ago, all nine of us went on a cruise, and we went out of... Louisiana, which is really not have much to do with the story, but you need to know that because I think so. Anyway, so we've before that we had always gone to the Bahamas, which I really liked going to the Bahamas, but we decided to go see a different part, a different water. And so um, we we start on our cruise, and in the middle of the cruise, um we realize that there are some changes being made and some things are happening. And I'm going to tell you, for that moment, I didn't really like cruising out of Louisiana because I felt like maybe it was just going to that part of the world. The, those waters were not good waters for us. We had some mo a little more than what normal seasickness is happen to the Clarks. And there's nine of us, so you know how much that is. It's a lot. And so, but the air became really, um, I don't even, I've lost my word. It caused some tension headaches, and there was just a lot going on. And we learned while we're in the middle of the ocean that there was a hurricane, a Category 1 hurricane um, in the direction we were going. And uh, I that just doesn't do well with me. I, I just was, I'm, again, not adventurous, and that is way more than I cared for. And so when we get to our first port, the excursion that we had chosen, if y'all remember, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, whichever time, I told y'all that we do our own thing. We make our own excursions. We don't do what the boat does. And so, but you know what? When there's a hurricane one, you do what the boat does. And so they had canceled the place where we were going, had closed a lot of the, um, we were in Cozumel, and so a lot of the places, the resorts and stuff had closed down because they were preparing to be hit. And we are there. And so we're in Cozumel, and I'm sick. You know, it's just not, it's not what you paid money to go do. And so we get back on the boat that evening and, or ship, and I start noticing that I am walking like this. And I don't understand it. I, don't, I, I wasn't doing it on purpose, but that's how I felt. And one of the things that we don't, we don't realize is that our body is designed to constantly correct itself to make you feel right. So my 5'3 self 
was leaning towards one way so I could walk down the hallway to our room and supposedly I wasn't supposed to notice it. I noticed that I was walking weird. But when we got on land, which was the most beautiful sight I have ever experienced, I still walked that way. We did. Our, our bodies were... weeks. I mean, for days, not weeks. We did not realize that because of the, the choppy seas that our bodies were making all of these little micro adjustments and that we were just kind of adjusting all the time until we get off the boat and then we're on solid ground and all of us feel like everything's moving underneath us and, and our bodies are still trying to make all these micro adjustments and then we realize that the truth is is our bodies are making all of these adjustments all the time that your body is constantly correcting itself it's a pretty amazing thing that we all walked in here upright and we're going to stand up and walk out of here we are are fighting the 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 laws of gravity and all these different things we have all of this up here with this tiny little foundation and we're mobile and portable and the only way that works is that there's constant subconscious correction happening all the time and you don't notice it until all of a sudden all those corrections are calibrated wrong and then all of a sudden you're like oh my goodness what is my body doing to me and, and then and no and so <laughs> while we while we're but we do that that's the only way we are able to function and to do everything in life and in our life in Christ for us to fully live we have to let God bring regular correction to our lives. It can't just be something every once in a while the Holy Spirit needs to bring regular correction. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. So um, when Preslin, who is our seventh child, she is the final. We, we just stopped after her. Um. She, when she was four months, okay, so when she was born, she was eight pounds. She was eight pounds when she was born. And our pediatrician was really good, and she was really good at being comfortable with letting us, the parents of seven, kind of decide how things should go. And so she would bring something up, and we would be like, okay, well, this one did that. There, when you have so many, you start seeing patterns. For sure. And then there's some that you don't want those patterns repeated but for Preslin she at four months weighed 11 pounds so she went from eight pounds at birth to 11 pounds at four months she was now, skinny she was yes I was not concerned I was not concerned because Keenan did this and at five months old Keenan swelled up I mean, all of a sudden, whatever was the issue for the first four months was no longer he a got problem. Chunky. His neck went away. Yeah. He you just, had to live places to fat. wipe because, um, anyway, so I was very comfortable with this happening with Preslin. And the pediatrician was not. And so we would go in for our checkup and she it's like, I'm, I, we're just going to go with what you say. But at four months when I showed up, she was like, okay, we've done what you want to do. Now we're doing what I want to do. And I was like, I'm telling you at five months, if she is not 
swole up like a puffer fish. We can do whatever you want to do. But at five months, something breaks. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, and so she was like, nope. I want to run some tests. And I was like, all right. But you're wrong. And I'm right. And that's the only reason why this story's being told, because I was right. <laughs> and so they wanted to do this swallow test, and it was amazing. But I'm going to tell you, I did not understand how we were going to see, watch, witness how Preslin swallowed, because that happens inside. And so we get to this testing room, and they hand me this nasty drink that I was convinced this was, we were going nowhere with this one because she was not going to drink that. And we look up and there's, I'm holding her in my lap and there's this screen right here. And it was the most amazing thing because we watched a live action type, I guess you would call it, x-ray. And they videoed what she was doing on the inside. Does this make sense? Okay, so that little turkey put the bottle in her mouth, and do you know what she did? She folded the nipple and sucked away. And so I was like, you have to be kidding me that on the outside, she looks like she's doing everything perfect. But on the inside, she has cut off the supply. She is not going to drink that nasty stuff. No, she wasn't. And, and, and so on the, like she, she said, on the outside, it looked like everything was just perfect. Everything was functioning. Everything was right. But on the inside, she was not receiving it. And for the most part, us with correction, we are that way. We have learned how to, to graciously tell our boss, all right, got it, got it, man, um, to be able to, to tell our spouses, sure, honey, I'll fix it, and to do these different things. But on the inside, we're not receiving it. We're not having it. We're not changing. We're not doing it. We go through the motions to make everybody believe we're kind of working on this deal. But on the inside, we're not changing a thing. We're not allowing anything. And this whole thing of being correctable and, and letting God tra transforming love shift us through correction, it has to start in our heart. We have to, to be on the inside, allow God and desire God's correction in our life. For all you moms out there who have little ones, I'm, we're about to read the scriptures, and we're about to say the S word, and I don't want you to, to be freaked out, but we're about, to, we're about to say it, and it's in the Bible, so I didn't, I didn't make this up. But here should cover the kids, the ears, so they don't hear it. Um, Proverbs 12.1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. <gasps> the S word, no mom wants their little kids going around saying, don't call people stupid. Well, guess what? The Bible calls us stupid when we don't like correction, when we hate correction. And it's not just this translation. I looked up nine different translations all go back to that Hebrew word and say the best English word for that is stupid. For us to hate correction, it's stupid. The reason this is so important and the Bible is so blunt about this and just so directly in your face, if you hate correction, you bow up to correction, you're stupid, is because every step forward in our life in God requires being correctable. It's going to have correction. Every step forward 
in your life with God is going to require correction. I want to say it one more time. Every step forward in your life with God is going to require correction. We have to be open to correction. We have to be willing to and expect it. Expect God to bring some alignment and to bring some things into the in the way he designed them to be. And I'm going to be really painfully honest, and I don't like to let people know this, but I'm probably out of this, well, not probably, but out of the two of us, I have the hardest time with this. I know, Daniel. I do, I do. My saying around is, you're not the boss of me. That's what I tell them all the time. You're not the boss of me. It sounds good. It makes, but it's the truth of the matter is, is that if I'm not open and willing to receive it, and yes, I have to have my cycle or whatever, I have my emotion of it where I'm, it's not easy for me to take it, but yet I still take what they say and mull it over in my head and at my own pace, I deal with things. Sometimes it's a slope. I'm short. We go slow. But the deal is, is that in all honesty, it's, this is all about what's going on in your heart. For sure. What's going on in your heart. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work work. Being loved means being willing to let God teach us, train us, and correct us. That's what it's talking, that's that's the steps, that's the process of being molded into what God has designed us for. We all have a gifting, we all have a calling and a talent, and he has designed us to live that path. And so he does correct because he's molding us. It's good. It is, it is good for us to listen to his guidance. We pay people. There are people in our lives that we actually pay to correct us. For instance, coaches, consultants, doctors, Proofreaders, interior designers. In fact, there's in the last decade there has arisen an, an entire like um, group of people, an entire occupation um, over the last decade that that's what their job is is to to correct you and to encourage you and to help you transform your life. And they're called life coaches. And there may be some people in this room who are certified to be a life coach. And I was curious to I wondered I was like, how much do Americans pay? for people to, to coach them in life, to be a life coach. And the, the uh, information I found was from 2016. And in 2016, it was the first year um, that the life coach industry in the United States crossed a billion dollars. You Americans spent a billion dollars to life coaches to help them grow. And, and they recognized they needed some help. They needed some outside eyes. They needed some accountability. They needed somebody to help them be able to do it. Here's the thing. With a life coach, you get them to speak into your life where you want 
there to be change where you want it. The problem is, is that most of the time, the places that, that are really mucking up the works in our lives are really messing things up. The problem is, is that's something we don't want to deal with, that there's some deeper issue and some, somebody on the outside can only do so much. And it's the Holy Spirit who goes down on the inside and says, no, 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 you want to fix that? Here's the problem over here. There's a place of unforgiveness. There's a place of insecurity. There's a place of these other different things that we need to get to and bring some correction and some alignment there. And then a lot of this other stuff will fix itself or will be much easier to fix. Hebrews 12.1, in fact, all of the first part of Hebrews 12 is just all about correction. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set, <clears throat> that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There are some weights in life. There are some sins, some stuff that will slow us down in our race. And we need to turn them loose. We need to be reminded to let go of them. We need to because Jesus is the one who started this and he'll finish it if we will let him move forward in our lives. Uh, Anna, in that Hebrews 12, 3 and 4 says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. We haven't yet resisted. We need to, to, to that point. Yes, we can get weary and faint-hearted. Dealing with some of these issues, it's not fun. It's not fun. There's a reason why we don't deal with them. And that somebody, the Holy Spirit, needs to come along and say, hey, quit Sweeping this under the rug. Quit ignoring this. This needs, to be, this needs to be dealt with. See, God's love will meet us where we are and move us forward from there. God loves us so much, he meets us right where we are. We don't have to, to cover all this distance to get ourselves ready to connect with God. God's love meets us right where we are. That's what his grace does. That's what he does. But God loves us so much, he doesn't leave us there. He, his transforming grace, his transforming love comes in. And begins to remove the stuff that life, experience, hurt, all sorts of different things begin to plant in us. And we begin to work around them and through them. And some of them, we actually grab a hold of them and call them our own. And we need God to move us forward and break that stuff off of our lives. In verse 5, writer of Hebrews says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons or children? Uh, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. That's something we can not like at all. Or be weary when he re reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastises every son whom he receives. And continue on. 7 says, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and life and live and something? 
for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. Correction isn't pleasant. It's just not. There may be a few things that might be a little not as harsh, but for the most part, it it pretty much just stinks to have to go through it. But chronic brokenness is way, way worse. Correction isn't pleasant because it often comes when we are minding our own business, thinking everything was okay, that we were doing all right. Now, most of you know uh, the muffin story. Okay, so years ago, when there were just seven Clarks, we went on a trip. And it was on the day to come home, we get up, we have breakfast. The place where we were staying, the hotel has the continental complimentary, whatever you want to call it, breakfast. The important part here is that they served muffins. And not just muffins, but really big, fabulous ones that come in their own little wrapper. And um, the ones that you, honestly, if you're a true muffin connoisseur, you dream of. (laughs) Like myself. And on this morning... I mean, I probably had one at breakfast and took one with me. I mean, let's be honest. Probably did. But I decided that I didn't want, I was going to save this specific muffin for later in the day. Because at some point in the, on the ride home, everybody in the car is going to wish Mama had a little chocolate. And this muffin was the chocolate muffin with the huge chocolate chips in it. And so we get in the car, get loaded up, and I'm sitting on the passenger seat, in the passenger seat, and I put the muffin right there on the console, right where the sun can hit it, and it's just shining in all its chocolate, chocolate chip glory. (laughs) All day, all day that muffin sits there. And I'm like, I, and the, everybody in the car, when are you going to eat that muffin? When are you going to eat that muffin? I will know when it is muffin time. <laughs> and so well, let's be honest, it's probably about 8, 30, 9 o'clock when we left. And around 4, it was muffin time. Now that thing, it sat there, and like I said, it was warm, so I get the muffin and I cannot wait. My mouth is swattering. I know what is coming to me. I open it up, and the smell fills the car because it's warm. So that chocolate aroma, oh, I cannot wait. I'm so, and she is so chocolate distracted. wasted. I cannot <laughs> she wait. She doesn't see that I rolled down my window. No. I pull the muffin out. There's the wrapper on it. I take the paper off. Oh, I cannot wait. I give it a little squeeze. It's soft and moist. I cannot wait. And I'm doing part of this because no one else in the car was smart enough 
to bring a muffin. And so I'm rubbing it in their face a little bit. And I take that muffin and I pull it up to my mouth. And I reach over and grabbed it and chunked it out the window <laughs> at 70 miles an hour. I did it because it was funny. We're all it laughing was now. It was funny. It was funny then. It's funny now. It was not It'll funny. It'll be funny next month. I cried. I wanted it's that funny. so bad. It's funny. But it the thing not. is, is that most of the time we're just living our life. We have our plans. We lay everything out. We're wanting to do our thing. And, and all of a sudden, the correction in our life feels like that moment. That all of a sudden, I'm pursuing, I'm doing, I'm doing my thing. And all of a sudden, correction comes in and completely hijacks everything I had wanted. And just, there it, whoop, goes. There it goes. And that's why, we, that's why we hate correction. That's why we bow up against it. We're like, I didn't ask for this. I didn't want this. I have my own plans. And then all of a sudden, correction begins to come and make an alignment. Now, throwing a muffin out the window was wrong. Yes. It and he's wrong. still paying for it today. It was wrong. And so, but... That correction in our life, it feels like that moment, and we bow up against it because, because we just want to do our thing. We just want to do it. And the, uh, the scriptures recognize that. Let's look at verse 11. It says, for the moment, all discipline, not a sum of it, not discipline given improperly, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. You've had somebody give you the most candy-coated, sweet little place of correction where they were so nice to you, but you just saw through it and you saw the place where they were wanted you to change and wanted, and man, you bowed up against it. You didn't like it. It didn't matter how many things. If they tried to give you the compliment sandwich and all of a sudden they put on the back and then try to slip you the stuff in the middle, you saw through it and you didn't like it. It doesn't matter how it's delivered. We don't like correction. We don't like it at all. And the scripture knows that about us. It says, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Quit pouting about it. Quit taking the, the snap out of your step and your readiness for life. Strengthen that stuff and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame, which is what is not functioning properly, which is, which is what's not doing what it's supposed to do may not be put out of joint, which is actual brokenness, but rather be healed. The correction wants to take something in our lives that's not functioning according to God's design and God's best and bring correction to it, which isn't pleasant, but it is avoiding chronic brokenness. And there are times in our lives where there are things that we want to see shift and we want to see addressed in our lives. But if there are so many times there's something unaddressed over here that we don't want God to touch and we don't want him to mess with that. And if you really want to be able to step forward and all that God has for you, you got to lay it all out on the table and say, God, I want your best, your will, your way. I I'm going to let you have control here and correct what needs to be corrected. And in our culture has a wrong, broken view of love. We think that love says that everybody just does whatever they want, and we all say, 
You're so awesome. You're so fabulous. When there are destructive decisions, there are things that are not, not wired by God for us to be able to live the life God has called us to live. And we need to let his correction. We don't, we don't have to be the ones beating people over the head. We don't have to be judgmental. We don't have to do that. We, we're going to love people. But we as people need to be open to God bringing life-giving correction into us. There's something that you need to focus on. Correction is, it is, it is a rough time in your life when you're going through a rough season or moment, however long it takes you, some of us, to deal with it. But the important thing is, is that you deal with it. You open yourself up. You allow God to speak there so that you can live a healthy life because the last thing you want to do is walk away from a situation with a victim's mentality that is destructive when you walk away with well they hurt my feelings and i'm justified in the way i am you have missed the point and you're going to go around the bush again. It's going to happen. You're going to be chasing your tail. And one day you're going to look up and go, 25 times somebody's brought this up. When is enough enough? Well, when you decide to let God do it. For sure. It's way easier the first time, folks. It's way easier to learn not to leave your muffin where Brandon Clark can grab it, <laughs> throw it out the window. It is way easier to figure it out. And hear what God is saying. And don't pet yourself and don't, oh, but I'm okay. You know, he doesn't really know. Yeah, he does. You and him. Yes, he does. Don't walk away from any situation or any instance where you're not open to hear what God is saying to you. That's right. He may bring a person to say it. But hear what he is saying to you. We know when we rely on the love God has for us, that love transforms us, that we can truly live and love. If you allow that transforming, if it's hard. It, those are some hard lumps to take, some hard next steps. But when you know what is ahead of you, when you focus on the fact that this is out of love, so I can be all that I am called to be. We all have a calling. And when you can see it, that it's transforming you to be that person, to love and live as Christ has designed us to be. It's a whole new game. For sure. It's a whole new game. The bottom line here is we love, we love. Because God first, he first loved us. He first loved us. Folks, we can, we can truly love and be who God's called us to be when we first learn to be loved by God. And it's a learning process. Our, our normal, selfish nature, it doesn't fit with it automatically. But I'm telling you, being loved by God and letting him lead and guide and direct is the best thing any of us can do. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.